This radio program is PG-13. Parents strongly caution some material may be inappropriate for children under the age of 13. Send me Jesus' mission was to comfort those who mourn, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to captives, and open prison doors for those who are bound. For those who want more than status quo Christianity has to offer, Blazing Grace Radio begins now. And here is your host, Mike Janung. Hey, Mike Janung here, and welcome back to Blazing Grace Radio. Glad to have you along. And I'm going to kick this broadcast off by reading several passages from Scripture, starting with Proverbs 5.15. It says, Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the deserts, in the streets, let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving, dear, A graceful doe, let her breasts fill you at all times with delight, be intoxicated always in her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? So he's talking about sex there, quite frankly, sex with the spouse and saying light up the marriage bed with fire and passion. He's talking about the wife's breast and um, keeping away from an adulteress breast because he's mentioned the bosom and adulteress. And then I'm going to get into Song of Solomon, a small passage from there, where he says, Your lips are like a scarlet thread, and your mouth is lovely. Your cheeks are like halves of a pomegranate behind your veil. Your neck is like the Tower of David, built in rows of stones. On it hang a thousand shields, all of them shields of warriors. Your two breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle, that graze among the lilies. Until the day breathes and the shadows flee, I will go away to the mountain of myrrh and the hill of frankincense. You're altogether beautiful, my love. There is no flaw in you. Come with me from Lebanon, my bride. Come with me from Lebanon. Depart from the peak of Amana, from the peak of Sinir and Hermon, from the dens of lions, from the mountains of leopards. So he's describing the woman's body here to the point of even describing her breasts. And if you read through the book of the Song of Solomon, they move towards consuming their marriage, which sex. So sex is a theme from the beginning of Scripture all the way through into the end. And how does it begin? Um, God put Adam and Eve together and said they will become one flesh. That's not a mystical union. That's sex. <laughs> and so the question is, and then with 70% of men viewing porn and the numbers increasing with women. Why are we not talking about sex openly in church, especially when it's plastered all over Scripture? So today I have Wayne Gorenson back. He was a pastor of two churches, a missionary in Central America and Uganda. And Wayne, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Mike. It's a pleasure to be here. So as a pastor, when you hear all this, what comes through your mind? You know, those Scriptures are some of my go-to scriptures when I am uh, counseling people. 
And even you know, in Proverbs, there's a, there's a couple other uh, passages in Proverbs that talk about the immoral woman and how she is boisterous. And, you know, it's it's one of those things where as as I read the Word of God and I, I look at the Word of God, it, it's what keeps me pure, to be honest with you. Because I read that and I go, oh, yeah, yeah, guard my, my eyes. It's like I like Job 31.1. You know, why should I gaze upon her maidservants have been a covenant with my eyes? So I told the guys at my church, I said, you know what? We need to make a covenant. We need to have a Job 31-1 club. Mm-hmm. And you know, we just need to not look, not not look at, at women. You know, you're going to see them in a distance, but don't, don't glance again. You know, don't glance. You know, it's like if you see something, it's not sin. It's when you look and then you just gaze upon, then sin starts to develop in your heart. And I have some guys that I know that say, well, everybody does it, you know, and it's, it's something that everybody has to, to deal with. I say, yeah, we all do it because we're, we're human. You know, God made us sexual beings, but as you pointed out in the scriptures, as you just said, it's, between the, it's a covenant of the husband and wife, not the husband and a mistress, not the wife and, and another partner. It's, it's a husband and wife. And you know, I'll, I'll be married 40 years in October. And, you know, we're not the same as we were 40 years ago. <laughs> we're older, you know, we're flabbier, you know, not as attractive. But, you know, I, I seriously joke with my wife is that, you know, I want to enrapture myself with your, the, the breast that you have. I don't want to look at another woman's breast. And she's like, you don't want to look at, my, at me. I say, yes, I do, because yeah, you're my wife. You know? And so it's one of those things where I think that because we're of the human race, you know, we're going to deal with that. And I think you and I have talked before and said, you know, it's, it's a daily battle. You know, here in Arizona, you know, the, it's getting warm out. I was at a ball game on yesterday and the day before for my, my nephew and or my, my grandson, excuse me. And you know, it, the clothes are starting to come off, and you just have to keep those blinders on. You know, look at the game. Don't look at that girl sitting next to you that has a strappy top on. You know, just look at the game and you know, keep your focus. And I think, you know, it's not it's not enough just to do like the self will. Uh, it, it it is one of those situations where we have to continually pray for the filling of the Holy Spirit, the control of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, whatever you want to call it. I mean, we have the Holy Spirit, but you know what? We can you know, suppress the Holy Spirit because of our, our flesh instead of listening to that small, still voice that says, don't look, don't touch, don't taste. Mm. Yeah, and uh, to me, uh, I've used the term fighting your flesh with your flesh. Yep. That doesn't work very well. Nope. And sometimes I'll be honest with God that I want to maul with this woman with my eyes. I want to go there. Yeah. And would you now give me the grace to not to? Right. Um, and I need his power to do that every day of my life. Yeah. So what are some other ways that you bring that into your life as you're walking out this road? You know, one of the things that I try to do on a, on a daily basis is pray with my wife. And, you know, when, when we pray together, there's a spiritual union. And, you know, I tell the Lord, you know, Lord, I, I don't want to dishonor my wife. 
by even looking at other women. You know, the the thing that really just actually just amazes me is the amount of adulterous affairs that you see in the church today, uh, the amount of um, divorces that you see because of adulterous affairs in the church. And I think, you know, what what is going wrong? And, you know, as a pastor, it's easy to go, oh, it's, it's all my fault. I should have done this. I shouldn't have done that. But in the reality is, I think, you know, as a pastor, I always led people to the scriptures. As a pastor, I always told them right for wrong. As a pastor, I always um, spoke truth as far as, you know, statistics about, uh, you know, pornography, about adultery, all those things. And, you know, people still went the wrong way, even though I didn't shy away from it. You know, I I never waited for Scripture to come up specifically about adultery. It's just at times like when there's when, when Jesus is talking about sin or Paul's talking about, you know, your flesh, and, you know, I, I would bring it up because I know that's the thing that, that men struggle with. That's the thing that men have to battle every day of their life. And, you know, I was totally oblivious as a pastor that women struggle with it, too. I figured, oh, it's just a man thing. But you know, now as I look at the stats, and like you're saying, it's like 35% or so of women in the church that are suffering from, you know, porn addiction— and it's like, wow, you know, I, I just, I pray that people would just get tired of themselves, get over themselves, and just continually just you know, give themselves to the Lord. Because as a pastor, all I can do is kind of like the, the farmer. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Well, you're an anomaly, Wayne. That's what I've heard. <laughs> they used to call me the pastor of disaster because I would just hit these issues head on and get in people's face. So, yeah. In 2018, I spoke at a church, very frankly, on sexual issues. And then I talked to the woman who set that meeting up, and she told me her pastor, their church had not said a word about sex ever since then. Yeah. So that's five years. So either all of a sudden they're totally cleansed. Yeah. Or something's off. What do you think? You know, when you look at the stats with uh, pastors uh, in, in addiction to pornography, I think it's like almost 50 percent, isn't it? It's Yeah, some of those numbers, right. So, you know, it's kind of like I think there's just a lot of issues, you know, in the pastorate. When you look at just the, um, uh, you know, the stats on – pastors and associate pastors and youth pastors that have a biblical worldview, it's not 100%. I mean, it's, it's, it's low. Uh, I was reading it uh, the other day from Barna, and I think it's like 30-some percent for youth pastors, and it's only 60-some percent for pastors. Actually, I got it here. 37% of Christian pastors have a biblical worldview and preach it to their congregation. That's from Barna. 37%. Wow. Fifty-one percent of U.S. pastors as a whole okay. have a biblical worldview. So I think a lot of it has to do with just the, the state of the church. And, you know, the, the reality is, I always look at it and say, you know, from the very first century, Paul had these same issues. Hymenaeus and Alexander and all these—he named names, and he said, you know, these people are anathema, you know, and, and it, he called people out. And— you know, when you look at, like, the, the Gnostics, you know, the, the Gnostics, I mean, they, they had all these different things going on. You know, they had the, uh, 
melding together of the Greek mythology and, and the Roman and the Eastern mysticism and Judaism. And it was kind of like today with a lot of churches. It's um, more of a, you know, potpourri, you know, potpourri of just uh, or smorgasbord of, of Christianity. What do you want your Christianity to be, Mike? Mm. You know, what do you want to pick off the shelf? You know, but we can't do that. And And I think, you know, a lot of it is that Pastors are afraid to tell the truth and to hold a line because um, for many of them, it's about nickels and noses. You know, as many noses come in the door, as many nickels as you can get in the offering, you know, it's the, it, that's the reality. I was reading a devotion this morning uh, with uh, Oswald Chambers that talked about basically worshiping our, our, our service and, you know, how we're, instead of being focused on the, the Lordship of Jesus Christ, we're more concerned and more focused on our service and how good we are at our service. You know, pastors, you know, a lot of times they want to be funny, you know, so they, you know, they're, they're jokesters, you know, or they want to be known as a real eloquent, you know, uh, you know <laughs> there's a term called scaldabongo. Scaldabongo is, is a pastor who gives a fiery sermon. So some of them want to be a scaldabongo, you know, give a fiery sermon, you know. And so they, they want to be known more by what they do rather than who they are and who they represent. And it's become a, a personality cult. Coming out of um, Southern California back in the, the mid-90s, you know, when you look at the megachurch scene there, uh, back then and even more so today, uh, it's, it's a personality cult. You know, it's like Paul said, you know, some of you say I'm of Apollos, some of you say I'm of Paul, some of you say I'm of Cephas, some of you say I'm of Jesus. So, but, you know, who's Paul? Who's Apollos? Who's Cephas? Did, did we die for you? And today, you know, we have this denomination, that denomination. Even within the denominations, we have what I call herd migration, you know, with the denomination that I was a part of. There's herd migration. I'm, I'm tired of, of Bob over here because he's not funny enough anymore. Yeah, I don't, I don't like Don because, you know, he's too serious. And so they just, you know, go from one church to another, and you just have the migration of the herd rather than the growing of, of the church through evangelism, through outreach, and through saving the lost. And, you know, it's not my job to save the lost. It's my job to disciple those who are saved. It's God's job to save the lost, to sanctify the lost. But as a pastor, and, and not just a pastor, but as a Christian, we're all called to disciple, to be disciples and to disciple, to help raise up this you know, next generation, to help raise up this, this next group of men and women that are going to be, you know, handed the baton when I pass away. And there's not enough of that going on. You know, there's, there's not... Any, I mean, I here again, I was, I'm an anomaly because in the churches that I was a part of, even when I first got saved, I, I remember sitting there one day going, you know, I just went through new believers and I just went through the discipleship program. I've been a Christian a year, and so God, send me someone that I could disciple. Someone that because I know more than somebody. I know I have to. I'm still a baby Christian, but I know there's. I have to know more than somebody. And He brought someone into my life. And right away, I just started discipling him. And then the next thing I know, I had another guy and then another guy. And I had like almost a dozen guys that I was discipling in the first few years of my walk with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I, 
I, there's not enough of me. I'm, I'm working. I'm doing ministry. I, I have a family. I, so what I did is I said, okay, guys, we're going to do a men's breakfast. But we're not just going to sit around and talk. I mean, we're going to have you know, scripture being read and, and a little devotion, prayer time, and then, and then we'll eat. And what's really cool is, is that um, men's prayer breakfast, or well, that the men's breakfast is still going on in Southern California and Sunset Beach. Mm. So, you know, I, I, it's just getting back to the basics. You know, what are the basics? Read the Word. Be in prayer. We've talked a lot about that. And I think, you know, there's not enough of that in the church, but there's not enough of that in people's personal lives either of, you know, being, you know, men and women of, of prayer. After I was here last, I— uh, I was on cloud nine. I was like, this is really cool. I, I really enjoy this. This is, you know, it's like a, a real fresh way that I can just express myself, you know, and, and I, I'm very, very appreciative. But I went out and, um, you know, I, I didn't know where, I, where to park here. So I went valet and it says complimentary. I go, oh, I like complimentary. <laughs> and so the guy comes out and I said, oh, I'm sorry, I don't have any cash. Yeah, it's complimentary. Don't worry about it. And and he said something um, like, praise the Lord or something like that, or bless. And I said, are you a Christian? He goes, yeah. I said, how can I pray for you? He goes, I don't know, man. Just, just pray for me. So I you know, grabbed his hand. And I prayed for him. And he goes, wow, that really felt good. Mm. You know, and, I, and I think, and I don't say it's because, okay, hallelujah. There's, there's hallelujah. <laughs> yeah is God. You know, praise the Lord, not praise me. But it's like the Lord just put that on my heart instead of going, uh, I don't want to do that. It's public. There's people standing around here. I said, yeah, you know what? I'm going to pray for this young man. And I think that more of that, more spontaneous prayer, more spontaneous um, devotion to just being obedient to that small, still voice uh, is what we need. And, and how do you do that? Someone told me years ago that you do it by example. So um, there's a guy, and his name's Bob Trevison. He was a civil engineer in Southern California. I was hired by the church to um, be the project manager for a building project, to locate a piece of property, to work with the city, work with architects and engineers and everybody and put it together. Well, long story short, we, we got it and you know we put it all together. But in the process, Bob was always praying. Mm. We'd be in the middle of a city council, well, actually planning, um, not planning commission, but like the planners that down in the city, we'd be in a, different, in a planner meeting. And someone would say, well, I don't know what we should do. He, says, he said, well, you know, Lord, we just lift this up to you right now, right in the middle of this, this meeting. And you just start praying. I went, that is so cool. I want to be like that. Mm. And I can't tell you how many times I would just shared my heart with him. He goes, well, let's just pray about it. He never gave me his opinion. He said, well, let's just pray about it. And he prayed for me. And so... I thought, you know what? I love that. I'm going to start doing that with people. And over the years, I've had a number of guys that will uh, now just call me, text me, and say, you know, I want to thank you for praying for me and for really, um, you know, being an example of the importance of, of prayer and, and just, you know, being ready to pray for people because that's part of my life now. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, it, it's just, it's cool, you know, because it's, I'm just being obedient. <laughs> I'm a nobody. But here's what I always told my students, because I've taught in different Bible colleges and stuff um, in Mexico and then taught a lot of pastors and, and Christian leaders in Uganda. I said, you know what? 
the way I look at Scripture, if you want to be somebody in the body of Christ, you need to be willing to be a nobody. And as like Oswald Chambers says, you know, we need to realize that God has called us to be doormats. Mm. Just, you know, if, if me being a doormat helps someone through the, over the threshold, you know, into the kingdom, then praise the Lord. But not being so worried about, you know, what people think and, you know, how am I going to look and, you know, on and on and on and on. So I would translate into not to us, not to us, but to your name, give glory. So it's not Amen. about us. Amen. Totally. You brought youth up, and we had a woman on the show not long ago who talked about porn to a youth group, and she split them up, boys in one group and young girls in another group, and she went with the girls, and she asked the girls to raise their hands if they struggled with porn. Every single hand went up. Wow. And so youth, it is exploding more and more, and then the thing that really grieves me is the Surveys we've seen for 20 years showing that 75% of youth are walking away from the church. Right. So what is your take on those issues? I I think it's been an issue for decades. Since the beginning, it's been an issue. But there again, going back to Scripture, I think one of the biggest problems that we have today, and we've always had possibly, but— this today is where I live, <laughs> is that, you know, we don't pray with our kids. We don't talk to our kids like adults. You know, we treat them like kids and we you know, regulate them or delegate them into little groups. You know, the, the two-year-olds are here, the five-year-olds are here. And, and, and like with my grandkids and my daughter, you know what? I never talk to them like babies. I always talk to them like young little people. And you know, not, you know, using big words, but, you know, just not babying them, but you know, trying to work with them and deal with them on a logical, you know, um, you know, with with logical level with love. And I, I talk to them about scripture. I talk to them about sex. Um, you know, well, I haven't talked to my uh, my six year old about sex yet, but you know, <laughs> I don't think I need to. But you know, the the others, I you know, we we have discussions. You know, not in depth, but just you know, just. Ask them, you know, what's going on and ask them about other kids and what they're seeing and, and warning them, especially my, my 12-year-old grandson, warning him that, hey, you know, if you get in a group of people, a group of your guys, and someone pulls out, you know, pornography or they show you on the phone, you know what, don't look at it. You know, walk away from it. And I think the, the problem is that, you know, a lot of parents are afraid to deal with that topic mm-hmm. and, and to discuss it. And, you know, it's like you hear testimonies all the time about, you know, the kind of this Puritan attitude where, you know, I, I read something the other day and this woman said that she, um, maybe it's something you wrote, but anyhow, she, she, said, she said, you know, her sex education at home was don't, get, don't have sex. You know, her mom said just don't have sex because if you do, I'm going to kick you out. <laughs> so, she, so she didn't, you know, she's that until she did, you know, but she didn't let her mom know. And I think, you know, as parents, we need to be, and grandparents, be willing to talk to our kids, pray with our kids, and be honest to our kids. Mm. Very quickly, um, I ran a billboard campaign in 2018 in Colorado Springs. I saw that. <laughs> most of our feedback were Christian parents furious that they had to tell their nine-year-old kid what porn was. Wow. And my reply was, if your kid is eight and you haven't had the sex talk, it is too late. 
Kids, kids are getting internet access as early as age three now. Yeah. And a lot of times age five or six. So, Wayne, one minute left. Anything you want to say? You know what? Uh, for any parents that are out there, I just want to encourage you to, to pray with your kids. Talk to your kids. Um, you know, Read Scripture with your kids. These Scriptures that Mike read in the beginning, you know, read them with your kids and just ask them, well, you know, what do you think that means? You know, maybe not the Song of Solomon one, but you know, <laughs> the, the, the Proverbs. You know? And it's amazing how intuitive kids are. And, you know, don't be afraid of the topic, but you know what? They love you. They respect you. So show them how much you love them by being truthful. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think we need to do that with the adults, too, on Sunday morning. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and talk openly, and, and we can go in, in more depth with, hey, this is what you're struggling here, and don't yep. play games. Don't hold back. And yep. So we need more anomalies and— this wasn't a church bash. I didn't bring this up to that, but um, we hear a lot of people saying our church doesn't and will not talk about sexual issues. Right. So, Wayne, this has been great. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. My pleasure. And thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Do you want to be free? Blazing Grace is a nonprofit international ministry for the sexually broken and the spouse. Please visit us at blazinggrace.org for information on Mike Janung's books, groups, counseling, or to have Mike speak at your organization. You can email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call our office in Chandler, Arizona at 719-888-5144. Again, visit us at blazinggrace.org. Email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call the office at 719-888-5144.